Allow me but a brief moment of your time to engage in a soliloquy that is neither as articulate nor as aggressive as one razor fist um, of the YouTubes, nor as patently homeschooler turned vigilante with a penchant obsession for a very specific window of history, which would be 1v for Vendetta, uh, or at least the the protagonist of such today's topic of discussion is brought up as or today's topic of discussion is free thinking independent thinking critical thinking and thinking for oneself and how such subject is more often used as a virtue signal than anything else in fact if we are going to claim and understand or if we are going to claim that we are as individuals free thinkers it is imperative absolutely that we are able to describe it to some extent and so we are going to take the axe to a series of trees today a series of ideas and identities which have described themselves as free thinkers critical thinkers independent thinkers and so forth and try to come to a conclusion of what it actually means and what is the virtue or value that's buried inside it but it's easier for this description, of course, to start with what it's not. The idea of being a free thinker is, in its own right, the it is the opposite of being an NPC, which in our world is the joke of the non-playable character. The person who does not, or the person who consumes information and immediately assumes it to be true. The person who reads the headline, watches the TV show, or whatever it is, whatever it is, the current method of propaganda, they consume it, they internalize it, they believe it, and then it becomes part of their person. One very regularly encounters this sort of metaphor, this worldview that sees political parties and the conflicts of the world between an intelligent good and an intelligent evil with all the normies in between. And if I can be so clear as to address this from the position of a former warfighter, it's not a hard position to hold. In all of the military, only you know a very small percent of, uh, of the military is engaged in the 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 pointy end of war fighting and let's 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 dial it back a little bit of our culture especially in the west a very small percentage of our country of our population has engaged in genuine war and a very small percentage of that group going talking about soldiers even uh, a very small percentage of that group has joined a position that is likely to ever see combat and a very small percentage of even that group has even seen combat and what you find out is it's the Pareto distribution in extremes of the American population. Less than 1% of 1% have engaged in combat of the fret types that we see in films and movies and video games. And of that 1% that has engaged in any sort of combat, a very small group of people have done most of it. You find that this is why people suggest going into special operations. And so why would we bring this up? Why would we bring this up? Why would I bring it up this this example? Just as it is in war fighting where a very small group of people are use, are typically providing the greatest impact on the battlefield, so we have so we have this metaphor that people use when they think about the culture war or the intellectual engagement. There aren't a lot of philosophers out of out there, but there's a lot of people who want to be thought of as one. There aren't a lot of Navy SEALs out there, but there are plenty of people who want to have that Navy SEAL clout. And I am not a Navy SEAL. 
I am not a veteran of a Navy SEAL unit. I was a ranger, so don't at me. That being the case, uh, the, this issue with critical thinking, independent thinking, free thinking, is that it's most oftentimes described and it's most often talked about in contrast to something else. In other words, it's not following the narrative. Being a critical thinker is not being not being controlled by propaganda. It is not just believing everything you read. But that doesn't really answer what it means to really think for oneself. And if I were to be so crass and so contagious, courageous in my own description, the vast majority of people who claim to be thinking for themselves, the vast majority of people who claim to be free thinkers and independent thinkers turn out to be anything but. Rather, what they're doing is they're engaging in the intellectual version of virtue signaling. They're saying, look, I'm a smart person too. And kind of like we see amongst strong men and dangerous men, if you have to claim it publicly, chances are you're not the thing. If I have to tell you that I am, uh, if I have to, if I have to tell you that I am something, chances are I am not that thing at all. Uh, you, what is it? The um, the person at the top doesn't need to proclaim that he's at the top. Is that is that a way of phrasing it? But what you run into is that the independent thinker or the, or the critical thinker doesn't need to explain that he's a critical thinker. He needs to sh demonstrate it by engaging in critical thought. And this is where it's not necessarily the metaphor breaks down, but this is where our cultural issue runs aground. Because if we need to demonstrate critical thinking in order to be a critical thinker, we need to understand or describe what critical thinking is or independent thinking is. And then we have to do the work. We have to engage in the process. So if critical thinking is simply rejecting the narrative, then, well, it, you can probably you can acquire that outcome through non-intellectual means. A person may reject the narrative or whatever is the propaganda, not because they thought through the facts and agree, came to a conclusion different than what was spoon fed to them, but rather because they didn't like it and they didn't want it and they post facto justified it through their pseudo intellectual argumentation. The other side of the coin is that what is or the other side of what that coin might look like is the issue of saying free thinking is simply thinking for oneself in the way of going, well, I saw myself, I observed myself, have thoughts, and therefore, since I can tell that I have thoughts, I must be independently thinking. And if you and if if this is going to go back to the NPC meme, the non-playable character meme, and just for those who are not in the video gaming world, uh, the the term NPC refers to a character within a video game that is entirely controlled by the video game, and the it is the it, the its opposite. It is the foil in an artistic sense to the actions of the player. So in a video game where like a role playing game or a shooter game or whatever it is, the character, the player inhabits the persona of a character. Sometimes they create it. Sometimes they're playing somebody else's story. So maybe you're playing a Batman game. But Batman, the player who is playing as Batman is not fighting against other players who are playing as the villains rather the villains are all controlled and scripted their 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 actions and their phrases and their lines and their and their their whatever they are are scripted by the writers of the video game 
So what the idea of being not a critical thinker but an NPC would be is that a person's uh, a person's life and actions and thoughts are so predictable that they would be indistinguishable from somebody who was a scripted, non-intelligent character. So one would have to ask the question, does the NPC have a mind? Does he know that he's an NPC? And if we go into the answer of saying no with people, then you've engaged in dehumanization, and thus you are going to lose the moral argument wherever you go. But that also, by being able to identify somebody as acting like an NPC, because they're not going to be one, but they might act like one, does not a critical thinker one make? Does not make one a critical thinker? Rather, what we have engaged with and what we are engaging with as a society is this continua, continual process of observing somebody who is culturally perceived at being intelligent and mimicking his actions and his phrases in order to perceive myself also as being intelligent. Look no further than one Neil deGrasse Tyson or of his kind who um, actually, yeah, one... Neil deGrasse Tyson would be a good example, but I think in recent in my recent readings and studies, I've been reading a John, one book by John Keegan, where John Keegan is uh, tracing the history of warfare. And there's a certain period of human history which this example comes up, or which which provides a really good example for how we look at, say, critical thinking. Um, and is it's not unique to him, and and you can see the influence of John Keegan in the in the second chapter of his book, where he starts talking about the prehistory of war, or what warfare looked like before humans wrote history in the Stone Age, in the Paleo Monolithic, or whatever the word is for your. Um, you know, prehistory mentality. I'm being a little dismissive. I apologize, but this this mentality that you run into is he's giving an account of of how warfare might have come about, and a person with who is engaging with it on from a, not just a critical like politically, culturally critical, think critical race theory, think critical anything theory, uh, but rather from a sense of not skepticism but critical, as in trying to understand what the mechanism of the argument is. Uh, you'd recognize that he's trying he's giving a hypothesis that he I, we would hope in some integrity not be able to assuredly def, um, not qualify but guarantee you this is the um I had a I had a philosophy professor from a long time ago who get, used the reference of Rudyard Kipling's how the leopard got hit its spots uh, there is a there's an explanation for how war came to be in the early parts of this book, which actually don't discredit the rest of the book. It's just that that's what happened. Well, that's the time it shows his time of writing and who his influences were, um, at least in sort of the historical, the prehistory historical argumentation. It's I know it's a it's a mouthful, um, but what you recognize or what we see here is something like giving an a, an evolutionary account for the existence of religion. And this would be something like an evolutionary or naturalistic account for the creation and existence of war. And he breaks it down in some ways, not entirely, but frequently to it simply being a war of over resources that the haves and the have-nots had to get in conflict with one another. 
and that is an oversimplification and a bad representation of his argument. But rather, what I'm trying to present here and what I intend to convey through the early chapter in his book is that he gives an account of how people might have gone from Neanderthals into Homo homo sapiens into something else like the the early uh, Sumerians and the early Egyptians, but he doesn't really have any way of qualifying those assertions. A person who is not engaging with that subject critically, but is taking it on, uh, taking it on as fact, would read that without understanding what the argument he's making, or if there is even an argument at all. Whereas a critical thinker will, would recognize that he's giving a hypothetical presentation of how it came to pass, working with the information that he has at hand. This is where Rudyard Kipling's How the Leopard Got Its Spot story. You'll ha you, there are examples in uh, academia, and there's examples in even pop culture writing or cultural writing that go into describing history as, well, this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened without really qualifying any of those events because either they can't be or if they were to qualify them, it would destroy their thesis. Think the 1619 Project. The reason why it has to be ahistorical is because if the, uh, if the authors of the project get engaged in genuine historical analysis, they would have to throw out their preconceived religious narrative that, the America, that America was conceived on the basis of slavery and nothing else. And so what you have there, and this, instead of arguing against the 1619 Project at this time, we're going to talk about Rudyard Kipling's How the Leopard Got Its Spots. The book, the, the story by, I'm sorry, the story, the short tale written by Rudyard Kipling tells this cute explanation of, you know, a cat who gets covered in mud or ink or something. And it's, it's sort of this fantastical story of, it going on kind of like a, a proto-Dr. Seuss-style journey and ended up getting spots by the end. And what we know is that a leopard did not get its spots because it fell into a pile of mud or got attacked by an, a, a squid and hit by ink or whatever it happens in the story. Rather, we know that it's a fairy tale, and yet we're in, enjoy, we enjoy the fairy tale because it might have a moral attached to it. Now. Um, it's not maybe it's the selfish gene or a let's see if I can pull this one up real quick. Uh, da, 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 a um, as I'm looking for an evolutionary evolutionary for religion. Uh, social solidarity theories, el evolutionary psychology of religion, da, 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 the evolution of evolutionary origin of religion. Where's this edit? Where is it? Oh, there's this famous book. Ah, uh, there's a, a famous book on the subject. I cannot remember. Stephen Jay Gould suggested that religion may have grown out of evolutionary changes, which favored larger brains as a means of cementing group coherence amongst savanna hunters after our, that larger brain enabled reflection of the inevitability of personal mortality. It wasn't the selfish gene. The friends to wall. Chimpanzees, Durasso, Rosso, no. Eh, we're just going to lose it. 
Um, but what we're dealing with in the argument is that a person tells this nice story of how religion came to exist. And it's something like, well, there were people, they were kind of pre-human civilization and people kind of gathered in loose tribes that might have been bound by a familial cause. And they they have ended, ended up developing cultural norms, which had to be defended. So they invented a priest and a priest was the defender of the cultural norms. And then he gained authority because he he had some argumentation over morality. And then because of that, the priest was codified into a religion, which then the community continued to center itself around. Uh, and then that religion gained authority as it gained wealth and it gained institutional value. And I'm telling you this as a, meta, as, a as a quick explanation because there's no way that you could prove any of that, will prove any of that, and none of it really matters because it's a nice story. It's a comic book dressed up in pseudo-academic trappings. And that is what we're taught. That is a good place to bring in the question of what does it mean to be a critical thinker? Now, I have been critical of critical thinkers in this engagement, and I have been attacking the idea of people being free thinkers in their own right, because the idea of being a free thinker is more attributed within our society and community as not being a description of one's intellectual prowess, but a statement of their moral position. No one wants to be thought of as either stupid or an NPC. And while we think about our political enemies as being a subdivision between the evil smart people on top and the stupid evil people on the bottom, what we might want to come to terms with and we might want to understand is before we bifurcate the world into some simple division between the intelligent and the stupid, we go back to a drawing board on what it means to be a critical thinker. So you ask, what does it mean to be? A critical thinker. First and foremost, it means that one is able to observe with some integrity their a bit their decision making process. So that means when I engage with a piece of information, maybe that is the car is red. It's a simple phrase, oftentimes translated in other languages. Das Auto ist bist rouge. I don't. My German is trash. Um, but the point being said is that the ability to look at information is the ability to separate what the statement is and how one came to that argument. In other words, if I'm saying the car is red, it, what, what is it that makes me believe it? What is it that, how do I know that, what, it, what would be the true making, our truth making principles? First, there would have to be a car that exists and then there would have to be a thing that colors, that is the color red. And there would also have to be the fact that the car is painted in that color. And so I would be able to verify said information by knowing which car we're talking about. This is a simplified version, but what I'm doing is I'm, as I'm se separating the conclusion from the argument. This is the first basis of thinking about it. Now, if you can look at any batch of information, whether or not, so the can is red, you saw it, you believe it, you think it's red. I just held up a liquid death convicted melon can, which is red at this time. Uh, if whether or not that information is verifiable, what, what it means to be a critical thinker is that you are able to observe your own decision-making process. That means as I'm reading a piece of information, I'm observing how I am looking at that information. Am I influenced by it emotionally? Am I influenced by it intellectually? Do I think that it's a good argument? How do I process an argument that I think is a good argument? And how do I use the information provided to construct an argument itself, and then does that argument sufficiently are, conclude with the conclusion that I have chosen as the intended position? Let me restate this. 
Free thinking is not simply something as short or shallow as not going along with the crowd. That is not what free thinking is. What would happen if a group of people simultaneously all came to the same conclusion independently? Well, would you call them all? Would you would you say that none of them were free thinking if each one of those without or each one of those observed and had their own thinking process came to the same conclusion? How many people does it take to observe a, a fact for it to be considered no longer a position of free thought? I don't need someone to tell me what my lying eyes see if I am capable of observing it. So critical thinking, let us go back. Let us look back again at what critical thinking is. And, and I'm, I'm substituting critical thinking, free thinking, independent thinking, and thinking for yourself all in the same phrase. That is the ability and practice of ob observing how one thinks and then the second part is being capable of deliberately altering that process i know i know how i get from premises to conclusion i know how i get from premise to conclusion I know how I work through that process. I know how I qualify information. I understand. I pay attention. I am deliberate about how I engage in information. And then I am able to address on how that consumption and engagement of information leads to the conclusions that I present. If I can't observe that process, if I am simply just using a contrast as my description, then critical thinking one is not. The second part is the ability to make adjustments to that process. So I am not just evaluating the information that I believe, but the method by which I got to that belief or that idea. This is important. This is very important. This is, this is that concluding critical component. Critical thinking consists of two, uh, two parts. The ability and choice to observe the way that one makes decisions, the way that one thinks. What does one believe? Why do they believe it? How did they get there? Where are the cracks in the system? And the second part is, what are they? is an individual capable of making adjustments to that process? If the answer to either of those questions is no, then that is not, you are not in a state of critical thinking. I don't think critical thinker is the identity that a person is. It is a thing that a person does. I either am engaging in the process or I am not. There are some things that we all engage in uncritically. For example, I am not particularly critical on the way that roads are set up. I drive on the right, Brits drive on the left. It's weird. I am not I am not I do not spend great amount of time thinking about how that road is set up in such a way that you know, I don't crash or whatever. I may more or less pay attention to what the sign says and so I follow the rules and kind of engage in that. But when it comes to other things, other subjects, then I will engage deliberately in a critical thinking process. What is it that I think about war? How do I, what do I think about the rules of engagement? It's not good enough for me to say that they're bullshit. There's, there's the language for you. Apologize in that one. So it's not good enough for me to just say it's not, it's not up to snuff. Let me be, let me conclude one more time. And as we are closing today, um, 
we're trying or carrying on. Critical thinking is not, de is not described by the number of books that you have on your shelf, and it's not defined by the, uh, the rejection of some coll collective narrative. Critical thinking, independent thinking, thinking for yourself, free thinking. Well, I, I think free thinking is the loosest and least valuable of the, of the descriptors, but um, what it should mean and what it should mean to a person is not simply that they reject the proposed narratives, but they are capable of observing their own methods of engaging with information, evaluating it, and then coming to coming to a conclusion that requires action of them. Words not are knowledge not acted on is knowledge not known. If you are taking a person who uh, claims to believe one thing, but acts another, which, you know, which, which speaks louder, actions speak louder than words. And we know people can make some mistakes. So in conclusion, as we wrap up, this subject has been rather important because it'll come up again. Um, it could be, it, 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 it's in a case where it could be described better. And if you have another questions about it, leave those in the comments below. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, leave a like. We really do appreciate it. Do what it do what is necessary to keep the show rolling. We are a small production, and gun culture is in a position where it must either choose who and how it supports or risk falling into the void. And so if you want to support us, if you think that we have earned your patronage, as it may be said, an artist in the Renaissance era, if I have earned your patronage, could you go to redactedculture.locals.com? That's where you can join the members side and you'll get access to exclusive content like what is the difference and what are my opinions being are having an unfired SR-25 and an unfired M110 clone by Palmetto State Armory, or at least unfired as, as, the, uh, as, as, as of the time of this recording. Uh, that is where I'm gonna. That's where I keep most of my gear-related content in the in the material. That's just gonna be a little bit too spicy for YouTube. But instead, it's not that YouTube is going to just be a censor. It's that that information is hard-earned. So that's where I want it to be. If you want access to that, if you want access to the questions on gear and our chat and our conversation lines, if you want to be engaged in that kind of material, you can head over to redactedculture.locals.com. Or if you want to join the, or support the show through merchandise, stickers, checking out our shop, including things like the surprise friend teleportation hat, um, you can go to redactedllc.com. And if you would, share the show with your friends. We need to grow. We need to survive. And in order to do that, this is a community project. In conclusion, though, thank you for being a part of this discussion, this conversation, this soliloquy, as I said earlier, on critical thinking itself what it is not, and what it should be. If you are a component, a proponent of this, I implore you, welcome to the club. That being the case, go forth and conquer. Oh.